Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. I want to welcome you to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. So glad that you are tuning in once again as you and I continue in the life and teaching of Jesus Christ, our wonderful and beautiful Savior. You know, I have just always, always loved studying the Gospels and just this time to have with you. I look forward to it. So I pray that through this journey, uh, you've grown in your faith, just as the title of this podcast is Stand Strong in the Word. That is, you and I open God's Word. We study it. We learn it. Uh, we come face-to-face with these interactions that Jesus had when He was here on earth, healing people, speaking to people, saving people, dying on the cross for you and for me, and rising again on the third day, that as you and I look into the life of our beautiful Savior, that we become more like Him. And that, to me, my friend, is just what it's all about. And so I just love studying the scriptures. And so I pray this podcast has been a blessing to you. So as I've always mentioned in the beginning, before we look at the context of scripture, please check out any previous podcast that you have missed. Go on standstrongministries.org. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes. My study notes are there for your enrichment. I put this stuff together as I study the scriptures, but then I want to make it available to you, my friend. To, to the people who support this ministry, who support me, my family, and my walk with Christ, to be honest. I was just talking to a dear friend of mine who, who faithfully listens to the podcast and just his encouraging words and telling me how he's grown in his faith by listening to this podcast. And so that's what it's all about, my friends. So thank you for those who have just been steadfast with me. If you've been since podcast one, I got to tell you, we're almost, I know this may be a surprise to some of you, we are almost through the Sermon on the Mount. Can you believe that? We have a few more podcasts and we're going to be done with the Sermon on the Mount. So just hang tight because today we're going to be looking at a particular passage of scripture that uh, is very debatable uh, in terms of the language and how it's used and a lot of uh, opinions and commentaries and I've heard a lot of sermons given out there about this and I certainly have had my fair share of conversations with many people who've taken their position or don't quite honestly know how they are to take this particular passage and that passage today is Matthew 7:21 through 23. So if you missed last podcast or you did hear podcast 40, are there false teachers in your church? That was Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Jesus warned about false teachers and how we are to test their fruit. So now we pick things up and the title for today that comes from this debatable phrase is not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So who were these people or who are, I should say, these people that say that to the Lord, 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 did we not? And we'll be looking at the things that they lay out there uh, that they supposedly did in the name of Jesus. So we're going to be showing um, how Jesus exposes false teachers from where we left off in verses 15 through 20 of last podcast, but also the coming judgment that they will face. So let's just jump right into it and see Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Here are these words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right, so the first thing that we're going to see here in verses 21 through 23 is the false disciple and the true disciple. The reason why I make that distinction is as I've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, remember Jesus gives contrasts all the time. And so here's another contrast. In order for you and I to know a false teacher, a false disciple, we have to what? Know a true one. What does it mean to be a true follower of Christ? And so we've talked about a true disciple is one who does the will of the Father, who confesses Him as Lord and Savior, who submits their life to Him, who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and walks in the Spirit. They're using the gifts to glorify God to advance the kingdom of heaven. So ultimately, it's someone who prays in the Spirit for God's will to be done in their life, and they fulfill God's will in their life by making disciples of all of all people, of all nations, right? So in essence, that's a true disciple. So a false one, obviously... He's going to deny those things. And so right off the bat, when someone makes the claim, Lord, Lord, he says, not everyone who says that shall enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to understand the context of scripture about what Jesus is saying. So here's a contrast now between the talker deceiver and a true follower of Christ. Now this term Lord, this is the Greek word keros, and it is only used for God. Now what this means and why Jesus uses this uh, word, or I should say this title, the way that he does, is because there are those who recognize that God exists, that he could be an almighty creator to some extent, right? That he's a supreme being, but they don't acknowledge him as Lord of their lives. I've had many conversations with people who believe there is one God, but they're kind of a deist or maybe God is everything. You're God, I'm God, everything's God. Uh, and and so they have a different understanding, you're right, obviously a misconstrued idea of who God is. But they, they believe in spiritual matters and they believe in a higher power and they believe in a being that maybe does exist out there. Maybe it doesn't have the connection or relation or want to have a relationship with us, maybe because of our sin, because of our nature, and he's too holy and too good and distant from us. But there's a lot of people out there, most people believe in a form of God, right? But when someone uses the term Lord here, Keros here, we're not to be fooled to think that this term Lord is a submissive one where they have surrendered their life to him as savior. You see, the religious leaders of Jesus's day, they fit this very description. And we see this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, how Jesus warned his followers not to heed the teachings of the Pharisees, not to practice their, their customs or emulate their what? Self-righteousness. They think they were serving the Lord by fulfilling certain things in the law, requirements, or or how they put up their own regulations in the synagogue as reflective of the temple, and the temple's there to offer sacrifices to the Lord. They've done all these things, but in the end, when Jesus, who is God, is here in the flesh, they don't even recognize him. They don't even submit to him as Savior. So what that says is that all of the religiosity, all of the things in obeying the commandments and following the commandments and the prophets, it boils down to them not even knowing who Jesus Christ is. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So they can be fixated on customs and surround themselves with religious people, but they don't know Jesus in the end. Remember 1 John, I read this in the last podcast, but it's important to, to repeat it again. The beloved disciple, John himself, he said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. 
and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Proverbs 30 verse 12 says, There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but not washed of their filth. Let me read that again. Proverbs 30 verse 12, There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. I cannot tell you how many deceiving spirits are among us, friends. The spirit of the Antichrist is among many of us in the, in the church today, and we are oblivious to it. We are to test the spirits. We are to ensure that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And of course, contrary to that would mean that they're not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And there are many people who profess to be clean, to be right, that what they do, the way they do it, the ministry is, is right on, but yet they haven't even been washed of their filth. They can't even see it anymore. They become so numb and blinded to it. So when Jesus says here in the continual passage here in verse 21, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, this right here is not just a recognition, but a repentance the one who does the will of my Father. Remember, they're being obedient to him. They know who he is, and they pray his will be done. Jesus taught his disciples that they are to pray, right, for the Lord's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We read that. We saw that in, the, in, a, in some previous podcasts, but that's in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. That's a true disciple, one who prays that God's will be done. And so now what Jesus is doing here is he's validating his true disciple by one who fulfills and lives out the will of God in his or her life. This keyword does, though, remember, does the will of my Father means to carry out, to accomplish. A true disciple carries out the work of God to fulfill the work God has called them, to advance the kingdom of God, to accomplish it. Not their own ambitions, not their own desires. This person is saved by grace through faith, and they will bear the fruit in accomplishing God's will in their life. Remember, First Peter 4, 2 says, So as live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. James 1, 22-25 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently, at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. All right, so let me put things in perspective here as we're talking about doing the will of the Father and putting in context of Scripture, uh, or taking, I should say, the context of Scripture here and applying it to everyday life, in this case, pastors leading churches. If you have a pastor, my friend, who is you know doing things in the Lord's name, all right, and and it and it and it looks like that they are doing the will of the Father through the ministry. See, oftentimes we just we just think that just like when you go to a restaurant and you got the chefs in the back and they're cooking up the food, right? We wouldn't expect anything less. Of course, they have a menu. This is a certain restaurant that serves a certain kind of food. And they have a certain protocol and guidelines and regulations. And so when we go there, we expect to get that product. So when we walk into a church, we, we assume that to be the case. Well, I'm here to tell you, and this breaks my heart, but there are a lot of false teachers leading evangelical churches today. Now, when you put things in context here to differentiate between people who are in sin, but not necessarily a false teacher, to those who are not just in sin, but because uh, they are a false teacher, they will keep on sinning. 
So in context of here of 1 Peter 4, 2, the Bible tells us that we're not to live our lives in the flesh, no longer to fulfill the human passions, to do our will, whatever that is, but to do the will of God. And then James here, we are to be a doer, not just only hearer, deceiving ourselves. I believe there are many men of God, who were once, I should say, men of God, that are no longer living according to the will of God because they want to fulfill their passions more than anything. And the longer they go down that road, the longer they go down that road, like when I read to you in Proverbs, um, who was it, chapter 30, right? Remember Proverbs 30, verse 12, there are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not uh, washed of their filth that justify their actions or their sin in this case. The longer they do that and they're unrepentant, I believe they're a false teacher. They are no longer doing God's will. And then when you put in context of James chapter 1, they say the right things, but they don't do it. And so, so it's easy to tell people, hey, this is what the Bible says, this is what you're to do, but then you don't live it. So when the Bible says to fulfill the will of God in your life, not human passions, but you have somebody who is fulfilling all the human passions they possibly can, and they're living double life, how is that not a false teacher? They're falsely portraying the scriptures. And they're saying that we are to persevere, that we are to live a life that's according to scripture, and yet they don't. And so that's why the Bible says in James 3, 1, in the, in the, in the chapters to come in, in James, that the, those teachers are at a stricter judgment because of what we're tasked to do. The Bible says one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, when people that are, that are leading that are teachers of God's word, we are to, we of all people are the ones to experience the law of liberty, to know what freedom in Christ really is. We are to persevere. We're not to forget, but we are to act. And we will be blessed in what we do because God will honor that. And so a lot of these people that are falsely portraying the gospel and what it is to be a follower of Christ, what it is to even be a shepherd, and that we just kind of blindly follow they're not blessed in what they do. And yet we have become so consumed with the size of the church. Well, hey, God must be blessing this church because money's coming in and we're coming in. Well, you know what? Here's a fact. A lot of churchgoers, a lot of people are inactive. They may go to church, but they're clueless about things and they lack discernment. And the Holy Spirit is quenched. And oftentimes our motives even going to church is not to worship a holy God, to stand in reverence of Him and stir up love and good works. It's a social club. So please, we are not to use just the people going to the church as a standard. That's why there's accountability. There's leadership. And I've had so many people tell me and make excuses. Oh, well, you know, he struggled, you know, the pastor and, and uh, we're, it's a work in progress or, you know, the ministry has been a burnout in his life and they can make all these therapeutic recommendations and talk about uh, moral instability and and exhaustion. And, and you know what? That is part of it. But I believe with some of these false teachers, it got to a point where they lost it. They turned away from God's will and they started to idolize themselves. They started to become a God in their own lives. And, and they'll use the Bible to gain power, prestige, influence, or money. That, my friend, is a false teacher. So in verse 22, jumping back now to the passage, when Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not? So on this, uh, this phrase, on that day, refers to the day of judgment, right? Jesus 
if you remember, when you look throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you look at his ministry, you see uh, Paul mentioning this and John, John 5, 22 through 30, Acts 17, 30, Revelation 19, 11. Jesus is the judge. You see that throughout scripture. Now, the next phrase I want to take a look at, did we not? Dr. Robinson writes these words, this form of a response carries a conceited attitude and exposes their deception. They claim to have prophesied, preached in Christ's name, and to have done many miracles, but Jesus will tear off the sheepskin and lay bare the ravening wolf. And Jameson Fawcett Brown Bible Commentary take the reiteration of this response as a surprise. Like, what, Lord? How is this? Uh, are we to be disowned as a result? So, did we not is like this shock. It's a very conceited uh, approach to God. So, I want to say this too when we're talking about false teachers. I think pride oftentimes is just an excuse, but yet it's the root of all sin, right? That it's come to a point with so many pastors today are just so arrogant. They're so prideful that I believe that they um, have really been disowned as a result of it. But yet we in the system, you know, in evangelicalism, we just tend to write it off or make excuses. And yet so much of, of what the church is built on, the personality of the pastor, his ego, his pride, that we've turned, we've turned a blind eye and we've come to accept that. And I think that what we're going to be looking at now in these next phrases, I think a lot of the ministry and a lot of things that we say, well, Lord, did we not do these things in your name, um, fit this passage of scripture that a lot of people are going to say, well, of course, this is of God because we're doing these things in his name. We're running a church. I'm a pastor. We got this going on. We got that going on. But I think a lot of times it's not the spirit of God that's moving these things. It's a system that we've built that we've manufactured and we just have put the label of Jesus on it and think God's going to accept it because, you know, we put his, his stamp of approval on it. And that's what this approach here is like, we did these things for you, Lord, but that doesn't mean that the Lord accepted them. That doesn't mean that that's what the Lord wanted. That doesn't mean that it's according to God's will. We don't negotiate these measures. We don't come up with a standard. God is the standard. So now let's take a look at these three responses that Jesus says these people make, these false teachers. And again, remember, they're not based on faith. They're based on works that they have done. These declarative statements by these false teachers of prophesying, casting out demons, and doing mighty works is nothing more than an elaborate scheme that even fools them into believing they actually did such things. See, that's important for us to understand. And as I mentioned before, many commentaries, they differ on whether these false disciples actually prophesy, perform exorcisms and miracles like saying, okay, if they're a false teacher and they're saying these did the, they, they did these things because they're a false teacher and because they are deceivers, they're deceiving Jesus. They're deceiving even God or they think that they can play that game. I think that's, yes, that's part of it, but I also do believe, and we're going to see that in a minute, that there have been people in scripture and even still to the day, still to this day, that um, despite the fact that they're a false teacher and they're not, or not really a follower of God, they can still do things in God's name. Doesn't mean they're saved because I don't think God is limited. God can use whatever uh, instrument he wants. So let's take one by one, prophesy in your name. Okay. This means to speak God's truth through inspired utterances. For example, remember the high priest in John eleven fifty one. 51, uh, it says that he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. So remember the high priest was not a believer, not a follower of Jesus Christ. He didn't have, he didn't make any effort or there was no motive in his heart to want to know the truth, but, but lived, uh, falsely in, in that religion. But yet he still was able to predict, to prophesy that Jesus would die for the nation. 
but that doesn't mean he's saved. But just because he did that, he can't lay claim to that and say, well, Lord, I, I did this prophecy in your name. You use me, therefore I know you. Remember, now this phrase here, cast out demons in your name, to throw out. That's what it means, to expel. Well, guess what? The Pharisees were opposed to Satan in his work. In Matthew 12, verse 24, it says, no wonder he casts out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. So the Pharisees were not about Satan's work, supposedly, right, in their theology. But yet so many of them were under the spell of Satan. So the point here is that you can recognize that Satan is evil, but that doesn't mean that you know Jesus Christ as God. You can still fail to realize that he's God. And this last phrase, do many mighty works in your name. Notice throughout this whole entire thing, these false teachers never mention the gospel. They never mention the repentance. They never confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So you can have somebody who's repented of their sin and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then at some point in their life, they begin to quench the work of the Spirit and rebel against the work of God in their life and not wanting to do God's will or taking advantage of a situation that they've been given. And it's about them. It's centered on them. Because remember this whole phrase, did we not do these things in your name? See, these are these standards that they've set forth and said, Lord, you need to accept these things. We didn't do them for ourselves, and yet they did. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to in the ministry that at some point in their ministry, they lost track of why they're doing what they do. It's not a matter, it's not a matter of worshiping God anymore uh, and doing God's will. They get into this rut and, and it becomes about them. You know, there are a few examples of individuals who were thought to be a true disciple, but they weren't. Remember Balaam in Numbers 22 through 24? I highly recommend you read that passage. Uh, remember Judas Iscariot, obviously, in Luke chapter 6, 16, John 6, 64, John 13, 21 through 26. We know what, what happened to Judas Iscariot. He was a false disciple. He eventually committed suicide. He betrayed Jesus. He lied to the disciples. And later in Paul's ministry in 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18, it, it reads, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. There will be people in the ministry that you will take as a member of the church, or even they are a member of the church, but you'll take a member of a church as a disciple of Christ, and yet they will be like Hymenaeus and Philetus who will swerve from the truth. And of course, in the process, they're going to try to convince and teach people what they believe that runs contrary to the scriptures. So now we take a look at this last phrase here in verse 23. Jesus says here in his own words, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Remember, a true disciple is one who does what? Who does the will of the Father in heaven. And a false disciple is a worker of lawlessness. They do things according to themselves and not according to the Lord. In Luke chapter 13, verse 25 through 27, it says, When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. So my friend, we've seen in scripture that there are a lot of people out there that have presented themselves to be a true disciple when in fact they're not. There is a lot of things happening in our world today that are happening in the church that I believe we've come to believe is of God when in fact it isn't. So I want you to examine that, okay? As I as I take a look at my own life 
and ministry and what I subject my own family to and who I surround myself with and and how I interact with the body of Christ and and being in tune of uh, of not just what God is doing but also what Satan is up to and be sensitive to that and discerning and and to test the spirits I encourage you to do the same let us not be deceived let us not just hear the words of Christ but to do it and when you and I stand before the Lord one day he will say to us well done good and faithful servant With that, my friends, thank you for listening. I pray this was an encouragement to you, and I will see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.